Avondale get a late winner to stamp their authority over Oakley. The dandy derby ends all square. Barisha is a tosser, but of a different kind. And Brand discusses the suburban polls. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Match Day 2 episode of The Semi-Pro Potty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the Match Day 2 episode. I am your host, William Chambers, and joining me this week and every week is my mate, Branson Gibson. Branson, how are you today? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, William. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about our first uh, match week of NPL Victoria results. Yeah, no, it was um, it was not the match day first that I thought was going to happen for the season. There were some surprises in there. There was some good honest, semi-professional football, which absolutely filled my heart with joy. Um, didn't manage to get to any of the games, though, which I thought at some point I was going to get to three, which was kind of depressing. Um, Brand, did you get off to any this weekend? I did. I managed to get to two, which I thought was a, a, a good start for week one. I was at the Avondale-Oakley game, which was a, a very good one. And then at Heidelberg, South Melbourne, out in Oakley, which was another very enjoyable experience. Do love getting out to games and I had a good time. Yeah, I was um, really sad they moved the uh, the Oakley. They moved the game to Oakley between Heidelberg and South Melbourne because I was really keen to head up to the new Heidelberg renovated mm. stadium. But we'll get there eventually. Um, Brand, our show last week went for about 95 minutes, which is mm. longer than the runtime of most movies. So I think we should just do it this week. Let's jump into it. Let's not faff about. Let's kick us off with Friday night's fixture of Port Melbourne and the Knights. Now, you had a bit of a look at this one, mate. Talk us through it. I did indeed. Uh, This was a great win for the Knights in the end. They came out 1-0 winners. They took the lead thanks to Gian Albano. In the 17th minute, he now gets to say that he scored the first goal of the uh, 2021 NPL Victoria season. I'm sure they've got a trophy that they hand out for that or whatever perpetual trophy that gets passed down from player to player. Anyway, he's got it. Knights took the lead. They were forced to play most of the game, though, with uh, 10 men. Nikola Jurkovic was given a straight red card in the 27th minute, uh, but it didn't seem to have much of an impact, though. Uh, The Knights were still the better team, I thought. Uh, Port's best chance came in the second half from the penalty spot. Knights keeper uh, Thomas Manos, their, their new goalkeeper, gave away the foul, but then redeemed himself straight away by making a superb save. Overall, though, mate, I thought it was a pretty resilient performance from the Knights. I mean, when they were down a player, they still looked more threatening going forward to me. I thought uh, Mohamed Samaro was fantastic for the Knights on the left wing. He came across from, I believe, Adelaide, Croatia. Uh, Port Melbourne, though, however, I thought they looked pretty average. I thought they struggled to create a lot going forward even with the man advantage uh in the last 10 minutes they did get a couple of chances uh they hit the woodwork twice but for me it just didn't feel like they were banging down the door for an equalizer it didn't seem like one was imminent even for most of the second half it felt like the knights were were comfortable with their one goal lead uh comfortable 
uh, being down a man. And in the end, they were able to hold on for what I thought was a, a, a very good win for the Knights. Uh, I was impressed with their performance. I was not very impressed with Port Melbourne, though. I think they still have a lot to show. Well, we saw last year, mate, that you were sort of putting the ball in the back of the net seemed to be an issue for Port Melbourne. Uh, it looked like it was an issue on Friday night. Do you think that's something that they're going to struggle with? Or, I mean, how are they going to make finals if they can't score goals? Yeah, I mean, look, it is very much a league that is defined and measured by goals and points off the back of those goals. Um, <laughs> the thing that I also got from Port Melbourne was, yeah, they looked a little bit toothless up front, but they were also really inconsistent last year. So I just don't want to say anything about Port Melbourne until maybe like five rounds in because who knows, they could score like six goals next week and then what I've said now is completely pointless. But they are that combination of they're probably not prolific in the score sheet. Um but they are a bit inconsistent. So maybe this was just a bit of an early season, inconsistent performance by them, and maybe the goals will follow. Who knows? But I... Yes, and... Yep, go for it. No, and I just think with how competitive this league is looking like it's going to be already, like there weren't any real blowout scorelines from the weekend. Everyone was pretty close to each other. You know, we're talking a lot of one-alls, one-nils, two-ones, nothing. There was none of the sort of like four-nils or five-nil drubbings that we've probably seen in early rounds where teams are still kind of trying to get their shit together. Um, No, I was really impressed with how close everyone was. So if everyone's close and that top of the table is competitive, then Port Melbourne could find themselves very much in the lower half of the table just because of that inconsistency if they bring that over into the season. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, we saw that last year. And of course, this is one week. So we're going to try to avoid making any broad uh, assumptions. But, of course, I'm sure I'll be guilty of that through multiple stages. But overall, looking at this one, uh, for Port Melbourne, at home, first game of the season, they had over 60 minutes with a man advantage, and they didn't score. Uh, So that's not ideal for them. But then on the flip side, for the Knights, you go away from home, uh, took the lead, played more than 60 minutes down a man, and still looked the better of the two sides to me. So... uh, Good start for the Knights, not so good for the Sharks. No, and I was actually hoping to go down there, and it looked like there was a really good um, Knights turnout as well. Um, had a lot of fans on that um, the stand cafeteria side, which looked really, really good on the broadcast. And this is another thing to say. I actually really like they staggered the Friday night games because it meant that when one game was in half time, you could go and watch, I think it was the Dandy Derby, started about half an hour yeah. after. So that was really good to just, you know, I actually have the stream on at home. Uh, much yeah. to my and that- housemates' just derision, really. <laughs> uh, and no future spoilers, but uh, any any praise we give for the staggered start or, or prime scheduling will be uh, redacted later on. That wasn't the only game on Friday night. As you said, there was a second game on as well, Dandenong Thunder taking on Dandenong City. You had a couple of eyeballs on this, as you just said. Tell me about it. Yeah, look, a Friday night season opener out in Dandenong, the Derby. It's a pretty Ooh. good fixture to kick off the season with. Um, and look, there was good good drama in the Dandy Derby. Um, one thing I did like was at the very start having Bessar Barisha tossing the coin. That was a nice little yeah. touch. It was. Um, he seems to have jumped on the Dandenong Thunder train. I like it. Which, if he comes into the NPL, oh my God, that'll be heaven. Um but, yeah, also apparently there's some Optus Sport filming going on at the game. Obviously, they're starting to push a lot more content around grassroots football and, you know, the culture of Australian football. And we hope that that somewhat builds into a 
probably an A-League bid at some point and maybe a little bit of help with broadcasting the second division when it comes. So that was quite good to sort of hear from people at the ground. Um, it was a great sort of first half. I think it was chances to both teams. Um, Dandy Thunder, I definitely think, started way stronger than City. Uh, I think that's something like four corners in the first 20 minutes and Dandy City weren't dealing with those corners particularly well. There were always a chance that either was very close to being on target or they didn't clear it properly properly, and there was a second chance. So Dandy Thunder started really well and it was a really open game, sort of end-to-end, but I was kind of shocked when it went to halftime as nil-nil because I was watching this game going, God, the back of the net's got to be hit at some point. Um, and then kind of weirdly against the run of play, it was Dandy City that actually went in the lead, a uh, 60th-minute goal from Delano Faro. Um or Pharaoh, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and I think that was a really good goal because I think if Dandy on Thunder had gone a goal up, Dandy City weren't getting back into this game. But because Dandy City got that goal and they were trying to hold on to it, it really did set up a bit of a barnstormer of a finish. Um, man, all of the momentum was with Dandy Thunder. They looked really impressive going forward. The tempo was really good. The skill was good in parts. Um, there was, a, I think it was a late shout for a... Oh, no, there was a, a couple of chances that sort of really looked like they were going to be the equaliser, but it took until the 92nd minute um, for a penalty that was tucked away very nicely by Bernarda. Um, bit of a pananka, just more like a chip, sort of very risky to take in the 92nd minute of a season opener to get a point or versus zero. So I was very impressed by that cheeky little penalty. Um, but I... The second he picked up the ball, man, ran back to the centre line and put it down. And I do actually think that if that game had gone off for five more minutes, it would have been three points to Dandy Thunder. I was quite impressed with Dandy Thunder out of this one. But crucial point for for Dandy City. So, Bran, of those two parties, would you be happier if you were Dandy City or Dandong Thunder? That's a good question. That's hard to say. I would think that Dandy City would probably be happier with a point than Dandenong Thunder. Uh, For a long time, though, as you said, made it look like Thunder weren't going to get that equaliser. So the fact that they were able to get it late, you know, whenever you score in the 92nd minute or or even later, whenever it was, you know, it's hard not to be uh, satisfied with a point. So I think, you know, for both sides, they'd go, well, you know, if you're Dandy City, you were minutes away from getting all three. Um, but then, as you said, for the Thunder, it felt like they should have equalized or could have equalized earlier and then could have gone on to win it. So I don't know. I'm going to sit on the fence and I think both of them can take positives from the point and both of them can take negatives from it only being one instead of three, if that makes sense. But overall, I would think that Dandy City would be slightly happier. Hmm, very interesting. Yeah, I, it's, it's one of those <laughs> I don't ones know where... how well I worded that, but yeah. Yeah, I think Dandy City definitely got away with a point, whereas Dandy Thunder would be frustrated they didn't get three. And uh, I think you're on the money there, mate. But do you know who else was on the money? Who? Me with this segue into Avondale, who were on the money on Saturday. Tell us about Avondale 2, Oakley Cannons 1, Waterbiggin. It was big-time heavyweight clash in round one. Uh Bit of a potential grand final preview and a potential title decider in round one. You don't get to say that too often. Uh, Avondale, though, they were able to get one back on Oakley after 
the Cannons trounced them in uh, round one last year. Not sure if you remember. Pretty sure it was 3-1. Oakley just blew Avondale out of the water. Avondale looked nowhere. Uh, this was a pretty cagey game, this one, though. Lots of yellows, lots of good chances, too, in the first half for both sides. Uh, uh, Joe Guest and Stefan Valentini both had score, uh, sorry, excellent opportunities to put their respective sides in front, but both failed to do so. Uh, the game changed in the second half, though, when Oakley captain Thomas Matthews uh, was given a straight red. Uh, there was a challenge and a scuffle, and then he was sent off for uh, his behaviour during the scuffle. So it was hard to pick out, but he was given his marching orders. Uh, that absolutely changed the game, though. Oakley down to ten minute, uh, down to ten men. Sorry, of course, scored five minutes later to uh, take the lead through Joe Guest, as you would expect. Uh, for the most part, though, it looked like, uh, well, to me, that Avondale were going to be left frustrated. Though, I mean, they played a long time with. Uh, a man advantage pretty much the whole second half, but really couldn't f- find a way through. It wasn't until late, Yusuf Ahmed uh, via a huge deflection equalised, and then it was a Stefan Valentini goal three minutes later. Uh, really pulled off a bit of a snatch and grab for Avondale. Looked like they were going to be frustrated, looked like they were going to be content with a point. Managed to come away with all three. I thought Avondale left a little bit to be desired, to be honest. I thought Oakley probably had the better of the two sides. Uh, They were hampered by the red card. In the end, uh, Avondale were able to build that pressure. You know, uh, they got lucky with a deflection for an own goal. And then uh, as soon as that went in, all the momentum was Avondale's way. So credit to Avondale for winning. Bit of a hard luck luck loss for Oakley to start off with, I think. Uh, But a question for you, mate. Now, I said it in there that it is a potential title decider in round one. You know, we saw uh, in 2019 Heidelberg, you know, beat out Avondale by two points. These are two teams that uh, we think will be right up the top there. Am I overemphasizing when I'm saying potential title decider or could we actually see come the end of the year that uh, those three points prove vital for Avondale over Oakley? Yeah, look, I, I actually think you're pretty bang on the money. I think it's going to be a title that's decided by three points or less. So if those two teams that are at the top are indeed Avondale and Oakley, you could 100% look back at this at the start of the season and go, you know, having having a good stint of time down to 10 men really hurt Oakley um, in this game. And hell, if it decides a title, there's a lot more to go. I think there's going to be points dropped this season. I think it was a weird year last year. I think we're going to see a lot of upsets and odd results coming through throughout the course of the rest of the season. But yeah, I think it's a... For Avondale, I think considering how that fixture was the opener for last season and how the, how it went then, and it kind of maybe knocked the, sa- knocked the wind out of the sails a little bit, I think to win that, winning it ugly is still winning it. And I think that they'll take a lot of confidence from that and they can build on that really nicely going forward. Yeah, definitely. And for as you said, for Avondale to snatch and grab and be able to get three points from a game that they didn't play that well in, I think is a big plus. Uh, another game, though, that a team played quite well in was Bentley Greens taking on the Eastern Lions. It was Bentley 3, Eastern Lions 1. Did you get a look at this one, mate? No, I absolutely didn't get a look of it. I've actually... Um, I've actually I'm just going to be honest with it. I've... Um, I went to go watch the highlights and then I got distracted and I didn't watch the highlights. Um, but 
I mean, I'm also shocked, Brad, because it's not even next to the run sheet. Like, you've completely gone off kilter with the run sheet. So. <laughs> to be fair, it was ahead of the Avondale one in the run sheet, to be fair. Um, anyway, mate, so I did have a bit of a look at this one. So I'll help you out here. So it was a 3-1 Thanks, win. Buddy. It was a 3-1 win for Bentley. Uh, Bauer, Iaconis and Crowley all scored for Bentley. Fabri, uh, Fabri, Fabris, oh, butchered that already, no idea. Uh, he scored for Eastern Lions. Nothing more than a consolation goal. Uh, Bentley's goals all came within the first 35 minutes of the game. Uh, generally speaking, this was probably the most predictable result of the round. If we had to, you know, pick one sure thing, this probably would have been the one. Uh, Bentley were comfortable for pretty much the whole game, and that reflected on the scoreboard. I thought Eastern Lions showed a couple of chance, uh, sorry, a couple of promising signs. Uh, they had a, a really good chance early on uh, to start the game. It was a shot from distance that just went wide, but after that, it was all Bentley. Uh, sort of what we'd expect from Bentley, you know, defending champions from 2019. They've had a lot of player turnover. It's Nick Tolios, their manager. It's his first full season in charge. But overall, for Bentley, I think they'd be they'd be pretty satisfied with uh, with this performance. I mean, maybe could have put one or two more goals away in the second half and really sort of put Eastern Lions to the sword. But three one uh, with a late consolation goal for Eastern Lions, I think that's pretty on point for Bentley. And I think like games early on in the season, you're always looking for things that um, solidify the idea that you had at the start of the season. And this game absolutely showed us that Eastern Lions are going to struggle this year. There's no sort of two ways around it. They are going to find it hard to stay up. And by the inverse of that, Bentley Greens, they just seem to do it. Like they just rock up and a game of football happens and they're on it. Like the fact that they got three goals in what was a half an hour is just like, they're ready to go in their season from minute one. They're there. So I was really kind of, when I saw this scoreline, you're right, it wasn't a surprise, but it did at least make me go, no, Bentley are what we're going to expect them to be and Eastern Lions are kind of where we would expect them to be as well. So in that sense, interesting result because it kind of confirmed what we were talking about last week. But one result that was particularly interesting for mine, brand. I don't know how this one was nil-nil, but Hume City nil, Altona Magic nil was a ripper of a game, but just somehow didn't have goals in it. Well, no, it was it was stunning how it didn't have goals, uh, mainly because Altona Magic missed a bunch of sitters. Uh, Nicholas Sete had two gosh darn sure thing tap-ins. Like, they looked dead set. He was guaranteed to score. It was Harry Noon who came across from Heidelberg. We said in our preview last week that we thought that was a huge signing and we thought he was going to be influential. He set up both. Pretty much he's made a great run down. He's cut the ball across. Goalkeeper is left absolutely, you know, hung out to dry. Nicholas Sete is at the back post. First time he goes for the left foot and he skews it wide and you go, how did he miss that? And then the same thing happened five minutes later. Uh, went for the left foot once again, skewed it wide again. So I have no idea how he didn't put the ball in the back of the net for that one. Uh, well, twice, actually, sorry. Christopher Lucas, he had a great chance for Altona too, uh, but was denied by Hume keeper Michael Weir. Overall on this one, I thought Harry Noon was great for the Magic. Um, I thought, you know, we, we, we talked him up last week. We thought he was going to be instrumental, and he was. Uh, I thought Hume left a little bit to be desired. You know, I thought Hume would be 
on top. And uh, for this one as well, it was a, a matchup. If we look back to last year, it was the team that was on top after five rounds in 2020 versus the team that was on the bottom after five rounds in 2020. Of course, Hume on top, Altona on the bottom. So it's only been one week, of course. Uh, we expect Hume to be a top team. We know Altona have made some signings and really strengthened that squad, uh, but we were unsure how they'd sort of stack up on the field. And, you know, I think this game sort of gives us a little bit of an early indication uh, that Altona, you know, might be able to sort of sort it out a little bit. Like, you know, they're coming up against the team who, as I just said, was on top after five rounds. Um, and they played well. They, I, I thought they should have won. I thought they had better chances than Hume City. Uh, I don't understand how Seto didn't put the ball in the back of the net twice. So when you look at this one, Will, does this sort of show how big of a step forward Altona have, have, have taken? Yeah, absolutely. It was probably one of the takeaways that I got out of our podcast last week was that they've obviously done a lot of stuff off the pitch and we were wondering how that was going to translate to on the pitch and exactly what you said there, Hume, one of the most impressive sides in this league at the moment and started last year, they were on fire. For them to be held nil all and for Altona to probably be the most aggrieved team out of that fixture to not get three points, I think shows that they're probably only going to get better um, with time and as they start to gel a little bit more. And Altona really impressed me. I think they could be really, really impressive this season. And it's just, man, I kind of feel sorry for teams that improve this year because the top's gotten better. Like, that mid-table's gotten better. It's just now starting to get really congested, I think, in terms of the really, like, finals-quality teams in this competition. I can't get over how competitive it already is. Yeah, well, and again, you know, it has only been one week, but this was an Altona Magic side last year in 2020 that lost all five games that they played, and they looked absolutely nowhere. So to come out in the first week against Hume, who, as you said, and as I've said, we think are going to be up the top, and to come away with a point, and as you said, be aggrieved at not winning, I think is a uh, a huge statement for them and a huge step in the right direction. What we're going to do now, though, mate, is step on up to the next game, which was the St. Albans Saints taking on Green Gully. Take it away, mate. Oh, what a throw, mate. That was a oh, brilliant our, setup. Our, our transition game has been strong so far, apart from the throw to the game that we didn't have in the run sheet, but it was still a good throw. Let's keep it rolling. It's all part it of away. the fun. Um, look, and this was a fun game for Green Gully. Um, I was really impressed with them. I 2-0 win to them. Absolutely everything they'd want. Clean sheet, three points. Um, T-Boy Kamara scoring a tap-in uh, early on was something that I love to see. Love a bit of T-Boy Kamara. Um, uh, something that Nicolas Sete couldn't do. Yes, yeah, big stinger. Um, and to be honest with you, the first half was all Green Gully. Um, they just had chance after chance. They were all quite solid chances. They probably could have scored a couple more. Uh, there was a free kick at the very end of the first half that absolutely looked like it had gone where the spiders lived and it had just like nestled in and had beaten the wall, beaten the keeper and everything. It had actually just gone behind the goal. And uh, <laughs> it took me about 30 seconds to acknowledge. I was like screaming how much of a worldie it was. Um, but it was really an impressive performance from Green Gully. And then I think they got a goal late in the second half that sealed it. But at no point did that 2-0 feel really in – that 1-0 feel really in jeopardy. Um, Adam Hodor had a couple of chances that he probably could have got a, 
a consolidation goal for St Albans Saints. But, I mean, Green Gully looks really quite positive and I'm now actually really excited to see how they can build on that win and, and sort of take it. Because I think St Albans Saints could be a banana skin team for a couple of teams this year, particularly the mid-table ones. Um, but, yeah, didn't see enough of them this year to think they're going to be nudging for finals. But, you know, all football aside, Brian, I've got a question for you. Yeah, hit me and, with it. And, and I want you to tell me why the name... Hodor would be famous. Oh, Game of Thrones. Oh, he's got it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Great. I mean, I, yeah, Game of Thrones, I'm all over. Movies, oh, not so much. Game of Thrones, yeah. Read the books, watched the, uh, watched the, what do you call it? The, the whole series. Oh, sorry. Every, all the episodes of all the series, the whole saga. Sorry. Yes, yeah, okay. Uh, is, is, is what I've seen. So uh, I might have disappointed you with the ease and the comfort of which I've, uh, I've been able to uh, answer that question. In lieu of uh, picking on you about movies section, I thought <laughs> I'd throw a little pop culture reference in there and you succeeded with Flying Colours, Brand. Well done. Do you know who else succeeded with Flying Colours on the weekend? Who? Team that we said last week, if they can sort out that problem of getting the ball in the back of the net, then they could be on it. And boy, did they get the ball in the back of the net. Big 1-0 win to South Melbourne on Sunday night. You were there. Tell us about it. Uh, yeah, well, firstly, I just want to say that if there was ever like a perfect night for NPL football, this was it. It was Sunday. It was 6 p.m. Uh, the sun was setting. It was warm. I think it was like 30 degrees that day. So, you know, by the time it got to 6, it had, it had cooled down. It was perfect T-shirt and shorts weather. Uh, it was just picturesque football. There was plenty of people, obviously, Heidelberg and South, two big clubs that attract plenty of fans. There was a bit of a who's who of uh, NPL Victoria, you know, people down there as well. Bunch of uh, well-known people within the football community were there. It was great to be amongst it and be involved. Uh, this one, though, tale of two halves. And I'll be honest, it wasn't necessarily a result I saw coming. Tale of two halves, though, I thought Heidelberg looked far better in the first half. Uh, I think they had something like eight shots on target to South's one over the course of the first half. Uh, I thought Heidelberg were a little bit unlucky not to score there. Uh, things changed after the break, though. South scored just six minutes after the halftime interval. It was Harrison Sawyer who was able to put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, we said that was South's biggest thing. Like, I don't think he's going to be writing in his journal like it was at Stephen Mork saying, I scored an absolute worldie of a goal today. It wasn't exactly the prettiest of things. It was a big high ball. Uh, coming down like at the edge of the six-yard box. There was a crowd of South players. Uh, the Heidelberg keeper was in there. Everyone sort of jumped. Uh, Harrison Sawyer is also a, an, an enormous human being. Uh, he jumped highest and sort of managed to, I think he came off his chest or his shoulder. He didn't even head it, and it just sort of bundled over the line. The Heidelberg goalkeeper ended up doing like a reverse somersault. And so, I mean, the ball went, it didn't even hit the back of the net. It crossed the line. So you go, well, I mean, credit to him. So that was... Uh, that was the difference. That was all South Melbourne needed to hang on to that one. Uh, Norton and Salados had great chances to add to South's lead, but they couldn't find the back of the nets. Uh, Norton had a scorcher crash off the crossbar. It, uh, for me, though, it didn't seem like Heidelberg were likely to find an equaliser, sort of similar to Port Melbourne, where I thought, you know, they had chances, but it just didn't seem likely to happen. It never felt like uh, an equaliser was imminent where, you know, in the Dandy City, Dandy Thunder game, it felt like the Thunder were knocking on the door repeatedly. 
and an equalizer was, you know, bound to happen eventually. It didn't, ooh, sorry, pardon me, it didn't really feel like that. Overall, though, great result for South, you know, good win against Heidelberg United, who are sort of perennial contenders in that one. Uh, for Heidelberg, though, I did think uh, Takura Okada, who's come down from uh, the MPL New South Wales. I thought he looked very, very good for Heidelberg. He was playing on the left. I thought he was quite exciting. He had a number of number of their big chances in the first half. Uh, was denied a couple of times by the keeper. On the flip side, though, I thought Salidas, uh, Jerry Salidas looked good for South, and so did Harry Hall and Harrison Sawyer as well. So overall, I think, yeah, South will be very happy with this result. Heidelberg, work to do. I think they missed uh, Harry Noon in this one, mate. Yeah, uh, look, it's a big, a big loss to have in a in a team like that where he's been there for so long and he's been so so consistent for so many years now. But yeah, I couldn't help but be sort of in admiration of South Melbourne's sort of attacking trio of you know Hor Sawyer and Salados. I thought that they've just added lead to their pencil um, for for a bit of potency up front. So like that a lot, Bran. That is, I like. I, can I just say, I like the saying, led to their pencil a lot. That's, that, that's a good If you thought of that on the spot, that's... Uh, no, it's, it's, it. definitely, it's definitely a saying that gets used a lot. But I think it's mostly used <laughs> when um, someone is impotent. So someone oh. who doesn't have enough lead in their pencil. <laughs> so I think it's well, kind of, to, to describe a previously impotent forward line, I think it's a, a great yeah. little saying to put in there. Yeah, good, good. I like it. Very nice, mate. Um, Bran... Let's look at the ladder because there's a lot it can tell you after one week. <laughs> Absolutely. And we know after one week it's going to stay exactly the same. Talk me through it, mate. Mate, so look, obviously at the end of match day one, we have Bentley Greens at the top after their big three-goal win, uh, followed by Green Gully. Uh, so we've got the two Greens sitting up the top, which is great. I like colour-coded league tables. Um, Avondale, Knights and South Melbourne take up the rest of the top five. Then we've got Dandy City and Dandy Thunder sitting in mid-table. Altona Magic, Hume City, Oakley Cannons. And then down in the sort of tail end of the table, we've got Port Melbourne, Heidelberg, Eastern Lions, and St Albans Saints. And I can pretty much safely say that no one is going to finish the season in the position they're currently in at the moment. Yep. So, oh, ooh, ooh, could be. I do have one very quick question. I know we're keeping it short. We are going to cut it to less than 90 minutes this week. Uh, who do you think was your biggest... Who would you say is the biggest winner from round one? And who would you say is the biggest loser from round one? Um, I definitely think Avondale, uh, the biggest winner from round one. I just think it's it, it's it enables them to have a platform to really go, go on with their season and go, you know, we've got one over someone who's going to be there or thereabouts with us throughout the entire course of the season. Um, and so getting ahead at the front is really good. Uh, I think maybe Port Melbourne, the biggest losers. I think they had a really good platform to to get a point there or get three. You know, just it. They just had so long with that man advantage and to just not even muster shots out of it. It was really a performance that made me think that they're actually going to struggle. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much my winner and loser, mate. What have you got for winner and loser from this round? Well, so my biggest winner, I think, is South Melbourne. I thought they were fairly resilient in the first half not to concede, and then I thought they were in control of the second half. And uh, this year we've got a bit of a quirk where the fixture is exactly the same as it was 
last year in, in 2020. It's the exact same fixture. So if you go back and you look at the results from round one of the 2020 season, Heidelberg beat South 3-0. So, of course, a lot has changed in a year, a COVID year, no less. But I think for South, the way they played against a strong team, the way that they took the lead and were then able to hold on, I thought that was very, very impressive. Uh, my biggest loser is St. Albans. Again, looking back at round one in 2020, they actually beat Green Gully 4-2. So we saw last year St. Albans were a bit of a surprise where they were able to win quite a few games, oh, sorry, two games, and they sort of looked like they, they kind of belonged. I think that this result sort of shows that it's, you know, it's going to be tough. It's a bit more of a coming back to earth, you know, the early success that I, that they enjoyed uh, might be quite difficult to replicate. So whilst, of course, it is only one week, there's still plenty of time for uh, South Melbourne to prove me wrong when I say that they're the biggest winners and plenty of time for St. Albans to, uh, to recover from what is only one week. I think that they're probably, from week one, they're my two biggest takeaways. I'm glad that we didn't have the same answer for that. You know, I think Look it keeps the podcast a little bit spicy. Um yeah. Look, and let's get a little bit more spicy because I think that's the end of part one. Part two, we're going to jump into the segment. So please take a break. Join us back in a moment. Welcome back to part two of the Match Day One episode of the Semi Pro Potty. Brand, this is the bit where we loosen the belts and we talk about the world of football, some things that we like, things that we didn't like, things that we thought were. Pretty semi-professional. So let's start there. Bran, what were some things that you thought were pretty semi-professional out of our first match day of the NPL Victoria? So we love the NPL Victoria, but one thing that uh, is very semi-professional in nature uh, has to do with the broadcast, and that is polls, obscuring views in the broadcast. Uh, The NPL Victoria is renowned for it. Of course, they do have multiple scaffolding setups across the league. Uh, Some of them are better than others. Uh, Some of them have polls in the way. Uh, This week in particular was a good week for polls. Uh, Port Melbourne, Avondale and Dandenong Thunder all had polls obscuring uh, parts of the broadcast. And I'd like to say you love to see it, but you kind of don't. I mean, it adds a a touch of semi-professionalism to it. Uh, There is a bit of a funny story, though, to do with Avondale's poll in particular. Uh, I uh, I work for Avondale, so I was here for this part of the story. Uh, after watching the Port Melbourne game, they saw the poll and they went, oh, geez, there's a poll in our broadcast. We, we better remove it. So they ended up calling a tradie uh, on the Saturday to come down and cut one of the polls out so that there would be no polls obscuring the view, right? So tradie came, tradie did that. Scaffolding has two levels. The polls that they cut out were on the first level where they assumed the cameraman was going to film. Uh, and so that had a totally unobscured view. Cameraman, however, went and <laughs> filmed the game from the top structure, which, of course, had the poles still obscuring the view, and so they showed up in the broadcast. So that I is thought- immaculate. That is some <laughs> real NPL quality yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, so- you've tried hard, but you've just yeah. missed the mark massively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, credit to him getting the tradie out there. And, uh, what is it, the grinder out? And he was cutting away. And then uh, it's all undone by a cameraman who said, no, nah, the weather's nice. I'm going to film from the top deck. So uh, I thought that was very semi-professional in all facets, mate. What was something that you saw that you thought was that as well? 
Um, I think something that was really semi-professional last week, which I'm secretly proud of because it's very on brand for us, but our entire podcast last week was so <laughs> shoddily put together. I think we lost audio in some part of it. Um, I didn't edit out a clap. You swore in it. It was just, it was real good. Just welcome back everyone by us. I thought we, we really outdid ourselves last week. So pats on the back. And and I think it was around the point where we were bragging about we've now become qualified NPL media advisors or whatever title we want to give ourselves. So, um, yeah, you know, really, really, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk. Yep, semi-professional by name, semi-professional by nature. Uh, one shout out, though, none of that was intentional. We did have the best of intentions to uh, remove said clap and uh, to have the audio run consistently throughout the podcast. But, of course, uh, it just didn't quite happen. So, fingers crossed this time we're a little bit more on point and a little bit less on brand, I guess. Oh, let's do we- this week. We trend towards the more the professional scale rather than the semi-scale of things. There are already two points that need to be edited out, so there is two chances for us to screw it up. So let's just sit back and watch and see what happens. Jeez. Fingers crossed, listeners, that uh, all goes well. If not, thank you for sticking with us. Um, another thing that I saw, Will, that was semi-professional, we love to see it. Uh, Brighton, Hove, and Albion, their goalkeeper, was wearing a hat. And you see the hats make an appearance Fairly regularly in the uh, NPL, there's normally five or six times a season, but it's not often that you see a goalkeeper wearing a hat in one of the major European competitions, let alone the Premier League. Uh, obviously, being winter sport in England, I don't think it's ever sunny there, but apparently it was sunny enough during the Brighton-West Brom game for the goalkeeper to uh, to wear a hat. But Brighton lost, so clearly it didn't make a difference. Uh, Matt Ryan would have uh, kept the ball out of the back of his net and I uh, wouldn't have had to wear a hat. So, you uh, know, one of my favourite A-League memories is Daniel Beltrami wearing a hat in the penalty shootout and then saying in the <laughs> post-match press conference that a goalkeeper's only as good as the hat on his head. And I'm like, oh, it's just such a premium quote. Like, could you imagine if, like, the Brighton goalkeeper had kept, like, a clean sheet after, like, 20 shots on target and then he's, like, being interviewed on Sky after the match for getting Man of the Match award. It's like, a goalkeeper is only as good as the cap on his head. Lost. I knew. I would have lost it. I knew about the shootout. I didn't know about that quote. That's a good one. Yeah, it's very Um, good. It was. Yeah, it was not. We'll keep that in. We'll keep that in our back pocket. Well, that was last week. The the semi-professional podcaster is only as good as the hat that they wore on their head. And uh, last week, neither of us were wearing a hat, so uh, we were no good. No. Um, You've got something else you saw, mate? Yeah. Um. So obviously, it's been about a year of watching like Premier League football on Optus Sport and everything. And oh, when we got the Friday stream story for the NPL, I kind of forgot how shit the image quality of some of the broadcasts are. Um, it's just, I don't dislike it because I think if I saw NPL in 4K, I'd be like, yeah, this is kind of wasted. But yeah, there is, I think my housemate saw it as well and her immediate reaction was like, mm, the image quality is not great, is it? I'm like, yeah, I'm even surprised there's images to be broadcast about this league at the moment. So I'm taking the wins with the wins. Well, I think it was like the Danny City, Danny Thunder game as well. The broadcast cuts out every now and then. I think, uh, sorry, Danny City, Danny Thunder. Thunder had a corner, it was like the last 10 seconds of the game. And then the feed cut out, so you didn't get to see yeah, it. Great like, stitch up. Score, I think, 
Avondale, they came back from uh, to start the half and the broadcaster just still had the halftime graphic or whatever. So, I mean, we it's a little bit more understandable when it happens in the NPL than, say, oh, I don't know, when Fox Sports do it for yeah. the W League. But uh, it does, yes, it is very semi-professional. I've got two more things that I want to uh, I want to quickly run through for this one. The first is, again, going back to Avondale FC. Uh, after they scored the second goal, Stefan Valentini put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, of course, he scored a winner in the 89th minute. The players were very excited. Uh, when, uh, sorry, Steph went on a big run, uh, slid in front of Avondale's brand-new grandstand. All the players amassed, everyone piled on, players off the bench uh, jumped on, you know, big stacks on. Uh, as the pile sort of dispersed, though, laying down on the ground were two injured Avondale players. Uh, I believe one was Valentini. I don't know who the other one was. I know Valentini's a friend or a listener of the podcast as well, so uh, unfortunate for him that uh, he gets a, a shout-out here. But I thought that was super semi-professional. Score a goal, celebrate, and then two of your players are injured. Literally, the referee had to call the trainer on, and you're like, what is this? That's great. So time-wasting tactic, but... Yeah, no, I do kind of love that. I wish there was always like a um, uh, in FIFA, you actually had the option to do a celebration where you injure a teammate. That would be a lot of fun. But seeing it in the real world happening is just you don't expect to see it in fully professional sport. To see it at grassroots level, love it. Really good. I mean, oh, no, uh, NPL's not grassroots level. Sorry, that's no. rude. Christ. No. <laughs> Watch your mouth out, mate. Uh, another thing that I saw that was, uh, I don't know if it fits in the that's so pro- semi-professional category or just sort of like the obscure random one, uh, but it turns out Bryce Ruthven, who is an NPL Victoria commentator, he was on the microphone for the uh, uh, Melbourne Knights, uh, Port Melbourne game, the, the opening game of the season. He's quite a good commentator, quite enjoy him, uh, uh, listening to him commentate games, but it turns out that he is or was, I don't know how this show works, but he's on Married at First Sight at the moment. Uh, I don't know how that show works. I don't know if you get eliminated like The Bachelor slash Bachelorette, but uh, he's on that. Um, and he's also now commentating NPL Victoria. So I think that is quite a, again, I don't know what category that fits on, but I thought it had to get a mention somewhere in the podcast. So this is it. So have you, because I'm wondering, you know, how they always have the captions for like Andy Harper on Fox Sports and it'll be like, mm-hmm. you know, 60 Socceroos caps or whatever. Have they got on Bryce Ruthven's bio that they have on the show? Have they got like NPL Victoria commentator? Because that's a real low flex. Like if you're on a reality, t- like <laughs> imagine if we were on a reality TV show and we were like NPL Victoria media pass holders. Like, I feel like we could probably come up with mildly better no, taglines. What are you talking about? That's the biggest flex I've got. Um, uh, in all, you know, all due respect to Brian, I believe he's a radio DJ. I think he was working in Canberra on some radio station. So I think he does have bigger flexes Good. available than his NPL Victoria commentator status. But, yeah, he's on Married at First Sight. So I haven't watched an episode. Don't know if he's doing well on that show. Don't, but, uh, yeah, apparently Can he's anyone? on there. And he's on... Well I, don't know. well, I don't know how it works. I uh, might have to give it a watch now that I know that he's on. But, yeah, so he's on there and he's on the microphone for the NPL Victoria. Bloody love it. Um, Brown, let's turn our attention. Really short one this week. We mustn't have liked a lot out of the last week. But what was one thing that you really liked out of the last week of football? 
Well, it was only one thing that I put in the run sheet, but it, it was a very, very big one. So the thing that I like the most is just having the NPL back, being able to go to games um, was fantastic. The Avondale game was great. Uh, Avondale have actually done a whole bunch of stuff as well at Avenger Park. I know uh, in previous seasons it's been a bit lacking, but this year they have a new grandstand in, they have a new scoreboard in. Uh, they installed a beer garden as well, which is quite nice. Um, so it was really cool to go there and sort of experience that. It just had like, you know, a, a totally different vibe to what a lot of Avondale games in the past have had. That was very enjoyable. Getting out to the, uh, sorry, the Heidelberg South Melbourne game in Oakley. Absolutely loved that. It was the perfect night for football. It was a great match, huge crowd. Uh, great atmosphere. That was fantastic. Just having multiple games on the Friday night to watch as well. Man, the MPL is great. It's entertainment across the board. You, oh, man, I, I just love that it's back. I love that we get to talk about it, that we get to watch. We saw already in round one a bunch of great fixtures, last-minute equalizers, late winners, goals, galazzos, missed opportunities, red cards, you name it, it was there. Uh, polls in the broadcast, uh, broadcast cutting out everything we love about the MPL was on display in round one, and I, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, no, nah, big, big vibes from that. I'm also feeling that. And I think one thing I've noticed this season as well, that's probably a little bit different to the last couple is there seems to be a lot more interest. I know obviously the chat around pro rail and, and clubs wanting to come up, but you know, when we started this podcast, it was genuinely at times hard to find the scores and the players. And like now there's actually like a couple of podcasts kicking around football. Victoria have got their own weekly show now and, you know, they're kind of doing a little bit more in-depth reviews and, you know, we've spoken about it before, like Chris Chris Gleason's work is, you know, either going to be on FNR or on the corner flag at any time. And it's just the more people talking about this sort of stuff, I think it makes it a lot easier for us to to cover it. And there's a bit more of a community of, of it. And I think that's just a really, really good thing to have. Yeah. And just touching on the corner flag as well, they've been, they've been great. We saw uh, over the weekend as well, they really, released highlight packages for the Friday night games and then they have like interviews with uh, players and coaches as well and the speed in which they were able to get that up as well was fantastic like uh, the Saturday games uh, sorry the Sunday games were up today on Monday so that was great to see so it's not like taking days and days before it comes up you know and they were at uh, they were able to put the packages together for the Friday Saturday and the Sunday so it's it's great to see. It's it kind of makes me feel a lot shitter about our setup though that we managed to screw up an audio recording once a week uh, and yet you know you've got the corner flag guys you know putting out great content you know bloody at bedtime on a Friday so that we can watch it on a Saturday it's ripper that's right though and uh, no future spoilers William but the semi pro potty does have uh, some some big things planned for the future we are upping our game we won't uh, reveal too much but we are trying to. Uh, uh, we won't reveal too much in case we can't actually deliver it. <laughs> but as long as our listeners know that we are sh- we are striving to trend towards professional, we are trying to get in that direction. Uh, so hopefully, in the coming weeks, we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to get there. But I think uh, I've got a bit of a discussion topic for us this week, William. We've got a a little bit of time. We're not running too over schedule this week like we did last week. Um, so I've got a question for you, mate. Uh, the NPL's back. What is your favourite NPL venue to visit? Very interesting. 
Um, uh, to be honest, it's been quite a while between, like it's been a good year since I've been to a ground. Uh, the ones that stood out for me when we first started this podcast that I really wanted to go to were like um, South Melbourne and Melbourne Knights. And yeah, I'll be honest with you, Melbourne Knights obviously needs a little bit of a facelift. It is starting to feel a bit old. They obviously did the media set up for the FFA Cup last year, which was really good. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 feeling a bit dated. South Melbourne, uh, it doesn't live up to its potential. That lakeside stadium, I love all of the stuff that they have of sort of their history, and you can start to see what that stadium looked like when they were packing it out and winning finals and everything. It just looked insanely good. But, you know, a combination of the bar and the running track, it just feels a little bit spacious and sterile at times. So... When I first started this, I would have said Melbourne Knights or South Melbourne. But to be honest with you, I, Dandy City, you can't beat. It is far away, so it feels like a bit of a road trip. I do love Dandy City for everything. But similar to what you said, I haven't been to Avondale since they've done work, but I know they're planning on doing more work and keeping improving. I think that's one that could be like it has the most potential to probably grow into something really nice. So like the sound of that beer garden is great. They're putting in stands. They're putting in screens. They're putting in infrastructure for it. And I think that's one that could actually be a really lovely place to go watch suburban football. It's not far from the inner north as well, so it's it's a perfect location. So, um, yeah, I'd say Dandy City is my favourite, um, uh, but I think Avon, I'm intrigued to see what Avondale does with their infrastructure over the next couple of years. But what about you, mate? What's your favourite place to visit? Well, it's it's tough. I mean, it's tough to pick a favourite. I mean, uh, one of the things that I love about the NBL Victoria as well like in particularly when you compare it to the A-League, you know, like the Victory and Melbourne City play out of of uh, Amy Park and so do the Melbourne Rebels and the Melbourne Storm. So it doesn't really have like a unique feel about it. Western United are playing games out of there as well. But if you compare and contrast that to all the NPL Victoria stadiums, they've all got their own, their own, they've all got their own field and they've all got their own feeling to it and their own community vibe and their own histories to it. Um I totally agree on the Knights. I think Knights Stadium is fantastic. I do think it does need a little bit of a little bit of a facelift um, to sort of uh, just bring the Viduka stand up to not up to scratch, but just a, a little bit of a you know a, a fresh coat of paint to make it a little bit nicer. I'm so torn on Lakeside. You know, part of me dislikes it, but then part of me likes it as well. Like, I think it's so nice. Like, the grandstand is quality. Like, of course, there's the VIS and the AIS there, but the grandstand's quality. The media. And the view as well, like the view of the city in yeah. the background. It's really lovely. Like, when you get yeah. a sunset or, like, we've been there where there's been, like, a storm yeah. and then it's, like, clearing. It's it's lovely. Yeah, and, like, you know, the grandstands are covered. There's plenty of seats. There's grandstands on both sides. I mean, the running track, of course, is a huge detractor. But even then, once you're there doesn't seem so bad so it's it, it really is like a, a a cost benefit like it's it's so nice but then it's so uh, i don't know so i just I, wish I, they'd I, fix the food and drink set up there like it just mm. it just sucks like there's no two ways yeah. around it it's just so bad and it could be yeah. so it should be the shining beacon of food in the npl and yeah. it's just so far from that well and i think the the big thing just to say with like side is it is the best facility like in terms of like grandstands and everything, it's the most professional, but it's also 
intrinsically not designed with football as its number one focus, which sort of limits its potential. Uh, one ground that I'm really, really, really looking forward to getting to is Olympic Village, where Heidelberger played. You know, they've just finished or finishing, sorry, some $12 million uh, redevelopments there. They've redone the playing surface. Uh, that looks amazing. They've got a brand new car park in. Uh, they've, I believe they've got more stuff in the works as well. The old running track is gone. Um, that was a bit of an eyesore, if nothing else. It wasn't like Lakeside where you could even use it. It was just sort of some dirt from the... It was literally built in the 50s for the Olympics. So I'm looking forward to getting there and seeing uh, what kind of vibe Olympic Village has now. Uh, even being at Oakley, though, Oakley's one of my favourites. I think they are sort of pretty ideal when it comes to... a to most clubs, you know, one big long grandstand. But even then from last year, they put in a giant new electronic scoreboard, which is great. Uh, Hume, I think, would have to be overall my number one. I think Really? It, yeah, I think it is. Like in terms of yeah. perfect facility, because they've got a big grandstand there. It's covered. It's new. They've got um, uh, good change rooms. They've got good uh, canteen facilities, good media facilities. They've got Astro turf pitches out the back. They've got the lights because that's where a lot of teams play their mm. FFA Cup games. I think Hume is very, very good. Um, yeah, okay. I need to get out. I really do. Even then, you know, like I'm looking forward to going to a St. Albans. Haven't really been to a game. I've only been to one preseason game there. And even Eastern Lions, they've done a whole bunch of uh, renovations. I think it's Gardner's Creek Reserve. Uh, they did a bunch of work last year to get that up to code for NPL standard. So I'm really looking forward to going there. I know we said last week you're looking forward to uh, seeing what kind of tea selection they've got as well. So, Absolutely. Uh, I feel like I if mean, there's going to be a club that's got a good tea selection, it'll be Eastern Lions. So we got to uh, we got to stick up for that one. But, I mean, look, let's be honest. We're at the pointy end of the show, Bran, and we've kind of gone through everything that happened in the last week. So let's jump into the preview for what we've got coming up in match day two of the NPL. So... We have just got an absolutely stacked Friday night. It is a almost disgusting round of football in that on Friday night, we have got the Knights hosting Dandenong Thunder, South Melbourne taking on the Eastern Lions, Green Gully hosting Hume City. That'll be a barnstormer of a fixture. Bentley Greens taking on Port Melbourne, Dandenong City versus St. Albans Saints, and Oakley Cannons versus Heidelberg United all on the Friday night. Kickoffs range from about 7.30 through to 8.30. Brand, that is a big night of football. What are your thoughts on having that many fixtures on? Oh, mate, I'm glad you've asked me that. I hate it. I think it's ridiculous. So, like, I know in the NPL, the teams get to pick when they play their games. Like, the fixture comes out and the teams pick their time slots, right? So, I can understand why teams would want to play on... Friday night, you know, but surely, surely FE have to step in here and, and say, hey, look, guys, uh, I know you all want to play on Friday night, but six games on Friday night is a bit ridiculous. Like, that, oh, it, it's a killer for fans. Like, you know, for us, we like to try to go to, as you know, multiple games a weekend. Um, but then, you know, if you can't get to Friday night, it eliminates... 90% of the games that you can get to. And then even They're, watching at home, like, I, am I meant to have six streams? I mean, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to have six streams going on. But how can you watch six games at once and pay attention to them? Like, we're not the Premier League here. Like, let's space it out a bit. Let's have a, an ability for fans to be able to go to multiple games because we do see, you know, 
uh, Knights fans go to St. Albans games, uh, you know, stuff like that, you know, uh, sister clubs or whatever support each other. And you just can't do that on a Friday night. I, so I, one, I, think, it's, I think it's ridiculous. So personally. one thing I will say for it is I'm all for it, but at certain times. So if you're going to do your first round season launch, all games kicking off at once, I think is a sick idea. Like, I think that's a really good thing. You can put a lot of media spend behind it and you can say, look, this is our season launch. Final day of the season, by all means, have all games kicking off at the same time at once. I think that's really good. Second round, it does seem a little bit excessive, but I kind of like it because it's just like, I don't know. For mine, what I like about it is that you're at at the football and there's other things going on. It does kind of make it a little bit more of a buzz. So I understand the point that you don't get to see a full weekend of football, but you kind of got a full weekend of action in two hours and it's really passionate and fun and I do like that. But... I do, I do stand out with uh, Altona Magic being the only team that decided that there were other days other than Friday night <laughs> for football. So Altona Magic host Avondale at 3 o'clock on Saturday. And that pretty much rounds it out. Bran, of those fixtures, what's your match of the week? Man, it's, it's tough to pick because I've got about five, to be honest. Like, let me talk you through them, right? So South Melbourne... Uh, sorry, not South Melbourne. That one's not too interesting. Sorry, South Melbourne. You sh- should probably beat Eastern Lions. Uh, Green Gully against Hume. You know, Hume, tough performance against Altona. Gully, good win against St. Albans. You know, will they be able to carry it on? Uh, Oakley against Heidelberg. Two teams that had a tough opening round loss. Two teams that we think will be towards the topish of the table. You know, which one can rebound? You know, uh, if we'd said at the start of the year that Heidelberg or Oakley were going to be uh, have two defeats to start off the season. We would have thought that would be a little bit surprising there. Dandy City against St. Albans, you know, two teams that we think are going to struggle. Uh, you've got to beat the teams who are similar to you if you want to avoid relegation. So that could be a big game for both of them. And then Altona-Avondale, another test for Altona against another top team to see if they really have turned a corner and if they are legit. And for Avondale... Um, again, if they want to be title contenders, they're going to have to be put in a better performance than they put against Oakley. So those four games are looking at and go, plenty, uh, yeah. plenty to take away from all so, of them. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I did ask the question, what's your match of the week, not what is four out of <laughs> seven fixtures that you're intrigued by? But thank you very much for clarifying uh, okay, that, Okay, Brad. okay. Let me, let, let me refine it. My match of the week. Oakley Heidelberg, that's the one I'm most looking forward to watching. Okay, great. Well, you're wrong. It's going to be Dandenong City versus St. Albans Saints for all of the things that you just said. Of they've got to, You've got to beat the teams around you, and it's Friday night at Dandenong City. Glorious. What more could you ask for? I haven't even checked the weather. I bet the weather's going to be great. I bet it's going to be a ripper sunset, and I bet it's going to be a great game of football, and I just love that for everyone who's going to go. I can't. I have got a pretty much four-day wedding this weekend and my entire ability to go see football has been ripped away from me. So very sad for that one. But, Bran, are you going to be able to get 20 games this weekend? Are there ones that are sort of standing out to you? Well, similar to you, I can't get to any of them on on Friday night. Unfortunately, I'm working. Why do we even bother? Yeah, why do we bother having this podcast? Well, hang on, hang on. I'm I'm working on Friday night, but I will have all six games streaming on my... uh, my dual monitor set up here. I'll have six games on one and a little bit of work on the other. Hopefully uh, my employer is not listening to this podcast. I'm sure they don't, but if by some chance they happen to and they just uh, 
they hear that that yeah you know, i think that is- i think we're pretty safe on this podcast mate it's i don't i think it's virality chances are quite low but I've, I've also just realized as well that i'm uh we're actually recording this podcast as i'm meant to be working as well so if they're listening i'm double screwed you know but yeah. Yeah. If they stack me, I'll then have so much more time to go to MPL Victoria games. Yeah, um, and improve our audio recording quality. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, to, again, I've gone off on a tangent here. I will be going to the Avondale Altona game on Saturday. I'll be there. Uh, Paisley Park? Is it Paisley Park? You're telling the story. Oh, I, I, I said it. I'm going to stick with it. I don't know if it's true. Sounds right. Okay, what's going to happen is I'm going to sign us out. Brown's going to Google it, and then he's going to interrupt me with the answer. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us for the Match Day 1 episode of the Semi-Pro Potty. I am at Chambershear on, I think, what, Instagram, and I just operate the Semi-Pro Potty Twitter account, and it's kind of done poorly. Brown, you're at Branson Gibson on Twitter. Look, please do follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're really happy that we're back, and we're really glad that we can cover some NPL Victoria football with you. Always let us know what games you're going to. We want to see you guys at the games we're at. And keep being semi-professional. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the Semi-Pro Potty. Semi-Pro Potty.